Hi, this is John Hartman, and you're listening to Improv Nerd. Jimmy, Jimmy Crane, Jimmy Crane's a nerd. Jimmy Crane's an improv nerd. Jimmy Crane's a nerd. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy Crane, Jimmy Crane's a nerd. Everybody, this is Jimmy Corain, and you're listening to another episode of Improv Nerd, sponsored by, you guessed it, the good people at Hotel Lincoln. The next time you find yourself here in Chicago and you're looking for a, something different, a cool boutique hotel that's close to everything, it's walking distance from the Second City, it's just minutes from the Lincoln Park Zoo, it's not far from uh, downtown Chicago, it's not only improviser friendly, are you ready? It's pet friendly as well check out the Hotel Lincoln. Why? Because it's the official hotel of Improv Nerd. Our guest today is John Hartman. And now John has performed at the Annoyance Theater, IO Chicago, and he just finished touring with the Second City Touring Company. And I love these kind of interviews because we go all over the place. Improv, solo performing. We talk about his birth defect. He's missing three fingers on one of his hands. Him coming out to his family. His take on being gay as it relates to his career. We talked to him about why he doesn't talk shit about people. He's very positive and not like fakey positive. You know this guy is very sincere and, and I'm envious of it because it's something that I really would like to be. Now before we get to the John Hartman episode, I want to just talk about something that happened when we were taping this episode in Chicago at Stage 773. Now, as you know, we, we tape these shows live in front of an audience. And, and that night, for whatever reason, and you can never figure these things out, we had a very tiny house. And when I mean a very small audience, I'm talking about we had two paid people, three interns, and my wife. Now, there were some peripheral people, you know, Ben Caprera, who's always there, and my producer, the guy who's doing the lights, John, Blake's taking pictures, and then an opening act that night, and it was uh, Abaria. And uh, Abaria is a comedy duo uh, group, and it was uh, Maria Wojciechowski and Abby uh, Vaderat. I hope I got her name right, Vaderat. And anytime I have a very, and we've never had a house this small. I mean, we, we, we've been doing the show over two years. I've never had a house this small. And whenever I have a house that's really small, I always go into, first it's anger, then there's probably a little sadness but I'm not in touch with the sadness because I'm so angry. Then there's blame. Then there's the whole self-pity, like, what am I doing wrong? I'm being punished here. It's, it's, it's not the kind of emotions you want to go up there and do an hour show with. So I decided I'm going to sit in the audience to fill out the audience because it was a very small audience. And I, I also feel, I feel shame and embarrassment for my guests. I'm like, I invited him and I can only get eight or ten people there, so I feel bad that John Hartman came out, I feel bad that Abaria's here, and Ma uh, Maria's done the show before, and I, 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 you know, I, I wanted to do better for them. So I go and I sit in the audience, and Abaria comes out and hits the stage, and I gotta say, I gotta tell you something. Maria and Abby, they come out there, and, and, and they teach this old guy, me, who's been doing it probably twice as long as they are, they remind me why I'm doing it. Because they come out there, they bring so much joy and so much commitment to the stage and so much enthusiasm that after about 10 or 15 minutes, I'm like, I'm ready to go and do a show. They took all those 
negative emotions that I had, the anger, the sadness, the self-pity, and they transformed them. And they reminded me why I'm doing this. It's about commitment. And it's not about how many people are in the audience, you know, or, you know, am I going to be discovered tonight? These, I got to tell you something. They played like you, you were watching them and it was like they were, it was like they were at the Apollo. I mean, it was that they were they brought that much energy and commitment to the stage and i just want to thank them and then john hartman comes on and john hartman shows me professionalism he's at the same level they are not only for the interview but for the for the for the improv as well it, it was just and it was an amazing night so i just want to i usually thank my guests and i thank them for coming out and doing the show but this time i want to thank both abaria and john hartman for showing this guy who's probably been in it longer than they have uh I want to thank them for, for teaching me about commitment again and professionalism. I really appreciate it. So uh, in honor of that, we're going to play a little song from that night from Aberia. I hope you enjoy it. And then after that, we're going to have the John Hartman interview. We are so excited to be here. <laughs> but it's so, from so many beautiful people, so wow. many beautiful faces. So many beautiful faces. <laughs> This one that looks pretty familiar over there. Yeah. Do you recognize him? Oh my gosh, your face. Oh, your face. Oh my gosh, it reminds me of. <laughs> your face reminds me of a face that I once saw. It had two eyes, a chin, and a mouth. <laughs> your face reminds me of a face that I once saw. It was attached to a neck that had a shoulder and hips. <laughs> Your face reminds me of a face that I once saw. It was sprouting hair and had a few blemishes. Your face reminds me of the face that I once saw when I was looking in a mirror and saw a reflection of a face. <laughs> your smile reminds me of teeth, I don't know why. Eyes remind me of looking into your eyeballs, reminds me of smelling smells. Your ears remind me of noises that I Reminds me, your head reminds me, your head reminds me of a past. <laughs> your breath reminds me what you had for dinner. <laughs> what do you have for dinner? Oh, I don't a sandwich. Oh, uh, really good sandwich. Your spit reminds me of the time you told us what you had for dinner and then you spat in my face. <laughs> and your face, your face, your face reminds me my
All right. Okay, we're going to get down to it. We're going to get right down to it. As as Ben says, this is a very exciting show. Now, you grew up in Fairfax, Virginia, right outside of Washington, our nation's capital. That's true. And your dad was a commander in the Navy. Your mom now does people's taxes. These are all all true. true. Okay, great. I got a great research department. (laughs) And I would imagine in your house there was a lot of rules. Is it hard for you to let go of rules? Uh, a little bit. I think it's, I would say it's more, it was more hard for me to let go of order. Okay. Like things being very particular and supposed to be a certain way. Now, was your dad very anal? That's what I would imagine someone from the Navy. Uh, a little bit. I would say he's really reserved. Mm-hmm. I mean, anal's like a, probably a pretty good word for that too. Like, in what, <laughs> give me an example. Like in what, what way? I, it, actually, in, in terms of reserved, I would say it was more with emotion. Okay. So it was a lot of like not wavering very much from like here to here mm-hmm. of emotion. Like you don't see a lot of highs or lows. You see mm-hmm. right in the nice that that meaty uh, middle section of <laughs> where where not much emotion lies. Was it like oh you got to be up at a certain time and you there's certain regiments like in the navy? No, we didn't do Navy regiments. Okay, great. <laughs> and now, you said in high school you weren't really a nerd, but you weren't really a cool guy either. Uh, and you kept people at arm's distance, which I find interesting. Yeah. Why did you think you did that? Why were you keeping people at arm's distance? Uh, I think it was, I, I mean, I think it was a defense mechanism of a little bit with growing up with that reservedness right. quality of... If you don't let someone in, then you can't get hurt. Okay. Kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, I think learning vulnerability was harder for me. It, that came later right. in life. Like, for me, I was a fat kid, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was, I always, that was like, I was going to latch out before they did. Was yeah. there anything that you felt like you had to defend besides this vulnerability? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I have two fingers on my left hand. Okay. And I, now, how, I don't know any, can you tell us about that? Sure. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not there's not too much to tell, but I'm okay. happy to. Yeah. Uh, I was born like that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, how much more time do we have? Uh, uh, yeah. It, I I was born like that. My parents checked to see if there was anything that could be done at the time. Uh-huh. Um, it is. I have really what is like a thumb and one other finger right and I have areas where three other ones should be just right. aren't there so and I would say that probably every 10 years or so uh-huh. it was more when I was younger but now I would say I did the last time I did this was probably four years ago I've gone to see what the latest technologies are with plastic surgery uh-huh. and there hasn't been anything that was so mind-blowing to me that I felt like I would really need to change right and I don't really care that much to be honest but I definitely as a younger kid was pretty was more Mm self-conscious and was definitely trying to get people on my side ahead of time for fear that they might not like me because of that did people make fun of you yeah what kind of things did they say um I well um I think the I remember one instance that was the worst one for me was when I was uh I was playing basketball. I was on a basketball team in fourth grade. Right. Um, and I remember this one kid just was relentless with, yeah, mm-hmm. and he was calling me like T-Rex, uh-huh. like over and over again. And that was, and I remember uh, screaming at him, like, and like, crying and being very embarrassed that I cried in public too, right. and like in this uh, basketball practice right. and went home. And like that, that really, 
That one stuck with me. I mean, a lot of them. Because when you showed I, me that, your hand, because mm -hmm. uh, you were, a, weren't you in a class of mine? Mm -hmm, yeah. Right. And I remember noticing it, and, and uh, I always feel, I, when you told me that, I just, I feel sad. Oh, why? Because uh, I just anticipate that you grew, grew up with a lot of pain. Like, no, I, okay. I wouldn't say that. I mean, okay. I, 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 okay, I, I, then I'm projecting that on, you know, to you. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I don't know. It, there's, 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 there's teasing that I think kids focus in on. And when I say that I was made fun of, it's not, it wasn't like a big all through childhood thing. Mm -hmm. It was a couple assholes. Mm -hmm. And like, <laughs> I mean, and, and everyone else, you know, I, I think people do make fun of fat kids more. Mm -hmm. That's like an, there's like, a, there's already a set lineup of jokes you have for that. Right. So you don't have to be very creative. Mm -hmm. And it's not creative and it's, it's, it's easy. I think this would be a little harder for people to. So when you go into social situations, do you, like, I would have, do you, are you conscious? Do you, and even on stage, mm -hmm. you know, do, how, how do you do that? Because you picked a profession where you, God willing, you, you want to you be seen. Yeah, right? yeah, obviously. So how do you deal with that on stage or if you get cast in a film or something like that? Um, I, I think uh, the first part of that is that you were asking is like I am still aware of it sometimes. And I, I used to be worse about it, about um, just kind of like covering up. Uh, I've known people for weeks and months or people who have seen me on stage and then found out later and didn't know mm -hmm. uh, that's been a common reaction um, so I there's nothing I can do to cover it up on stage so I I don't and were I to be cast in something you know I, I haven't gotten that far where I thought it was like a problem mm -hmm. um, I asked my manager about it one time your, t your talent manager yes okay um, and in Los Angeles uh, he's in New York okay. but he, they're in New York right. LA yeah and because uh, he'd signed me and never said anything about it and I asked him he was like you know I've I've asked some other people and it's never been an issue it's never come up I would let you know if it was and and then we would move on from there um, but I don't think it would uh, it is an issue right now. Which is interesting because then in, in high school, and you actually get a music scholarship to the University of Michigan, you play trumpet. Mm -hmm. So how were you able to, 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 to play trumpet with, with your hands? That is like one of the, it, when I was in fifth grade picking instruments for band, uh -huh. that was one that I knew I could do because it only has three um, valves. Mm -hmm. So the dexterity is only in one hand and you just have to hold it with the other. Okay. And I figured out a way to hold it. Pretty well, um, and then you're you're in. You go to Michigan, yeah. And at some point in college, you go to New York and, and take an intensive at the UCB. Yeah. How did that change things for you? Uh, that that was the first time I did improv before. I did improv in middle school, like short form mm -hmm. theater sports games, mm -hmm. and then I even went to a comedy sports show in DC. But that was the, when I went to New York. It was the first time I saw long form, mm -hmm. and I really—I think a lot of people have those aha moments with improv. And that was that. It was like a Herald night at UCB, and then I saw more shows there. But that was the one where I thought this is so cool and truly made me belly laugh. And I loved the ingenuity of it. So that was a moment when I came back to Michigan 
the next school year that I had, we, I was already in a college improv group and uh, but we just did short form and then we decided to try long form and that was that that awful thing of I was trying to teach it to everybody with like no experience. <laughs> Were they, how'd that go? Were they listening They were like, this is great. You right. went to New York. And, right. And studied for three weeks. <laughs> and then you get uh, Dan Izzo. You get yeah. involved with the improv in front of And I knew Dan here at the Annoyance a yeah, little. Yeah, yeah. And he says something to you that I think is just great. He tells you uh, something about if you stay a year or something, he's going to... Can you explain? Oh, yeah. Um, he, he, I, I was getting to perform a lot at the Improv in uh-huh. Front, which is a, a improv club in Ann Arbor. And uh, only lasted for two years, although it did very well. And it ended because of... a really shitty landlord situation. But um, I was getting to perform like three or four nights a week there. And then Dan gave me the job of group sales manager at the theater while I was still in college. I was and at this point, you think you're set. You're going to live there the rest of your I'm life. I'm like, this is awesome. If I can perform and make a living kind of doing it because I'll be working for the theater, I'll be like, this is great. I can, I can make that happen. And uh, so then Dan tells me, this is before the theater closes or anything, or even knows it's closing. He goes, I think it would be great for you to stay another year and do this. And then if you're here for another, if you're here after that, I'm going to make you go to Chicago. And he, and I, I, he was like, I don't want you to stay here another year because you'll get complacent. You'll get too comfortable. So he recognized your talent right from the get-go. I guess so, yeah. And then you come here, you decide to move to Chicago. Tell us about the first class the, 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 that you took here. I think it was the I.O., right? Yeah. And you, you drive your car. Your stuff is still in the car, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, um, the day I moved here, I moved from Michigan. I had everything in my car. I drove from Ann Arbor to Chicago. Um, my first I.O. Level 1 class was at noon, and I got in at like 11.30, and all my stuff was in the car, and I, I found a parking spot like right outside of I.O., uh, right in front and then just went right to class. And then when class was out, I went to my apartment and moved in. <laughs> Did you ask people in the class, hey, is anybody, can anybody help me move after class? My dad was coming in later that day to help me move. He's a Navy guy, so I'm sure it took, a, he had he was, it all organized, yeah, right? Yeah. He was like, how are you going to an improv class first? Yeah. No, he came in and... and well, what did he say to you? He was like, why are you going to an improv class before you move in? I was like, that's just the way the schedule worked out. Do they understand improv? I mean, that that concept has got to be really hard for them to get. It 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 yes. It, I think it really was at first, and then there were things I started to do where it was more like a you could. It made sense to them because you. I would. I had my name in a program or something. They could see. Oh, all right. Like with Second City or something, it made sense. That like this is a thing. I don't. I don't know. Like, but like when they first saw me when I did a cruise ship with Second City, and we went to Hawaii, and they took the cruise for a week. They came and they're like sitting in this theater, and they see the program with Second City, and they show the like alumni videos and stuff, and then I'm in there too. And then it was like, okay, maybe this is okay. Kind, kind of. So, so what you're saying is hope, get your parents on a cruise ship that you're working on to, 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 to reinforce that's it. The way, that's, that's the way that, that works. Okay, great. Uh, as you know, a lot of people who listen to this podcast are students. You know, yeah, of, yeah. of improv. So they'll certainly appreciate that tip. I think that's not a very good tip now. <laughs> um, did you like being on a cruise ship? I liked being in Hawaii, okay. Because uh, my cruise ship was just in Hawaii, and then Second City's not even on that one anymore. But it's definitely the best itinerary 
But it was what five was, months. What was, what was your schedule? It was it docked out of Honolulu. Uh-huh. Well, the ship schedule was Honolulu, and there were no sea days. Your phone and internet worked everywhere, which is not the case with a lot uh-huh. of these ships. We went to Maui. You get an overnight there, so you don't have to be back to the ship by a certain time. Any jerks on, on, on the cast? Because what people have told me is if you get a bad cast, because you're on that ship with those people, it can be miserable. And if you get a great cast, it's a great experience. I had a great cast. It was okay. one of those really good experiences. If you had a jerk on the cast, would you tell me if you had a jerk on the cast? I think I would, but I might not say who. Okay. I definitely had casts where there was a jerk. Okay. And, yep. Because, <laughs> because you say that you don't do any shit talking. Well, I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't think it's worth burning bridges for any anything because you might have to be in a show with them and work a show eight nights a, eight uh, times a week with them. Where did you learn that? You definitely didn't learn it in my class. Uh, <laughs> did you say to shit talk though? No, I never said to shit talk. But, but you, I, you never I, said not to. So you. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. But I'm just saying, where did you learn that? How, you know, because as you know, there's a lot of people. I certainly gossip a lot. Uh, and you've been in cast, I'm sure, where people gossip a lot. Oh, yeah. How, I mean, we you... still gossip every once in a while amongst each other, but I, not to the point of where you'd want. Like, what would you consider shit talk versus gossip? Again, this is purely educational <laughs> for the people that are listening oh, for the yeah. podcast. I think shit talking has an element, is uh, definitely uh, has. The emotion behind it is jealousy. Okay. It has to be, or insecurity. Are you jealous of anyone? I'm jealous of so many people. I mean, Tina Fey I'm jealous of. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, (laughs) Is there anyone you're jealous of? Um, Because don't you think if you say, look, I'm jealous of Tina Fey. Yeah. I'm not shit-talking Tina Fey. I'm I'm copying to, I'm jealous. I'm copying to something that's... That I I think it, with. the shit talking comes in with your, when you're like I'm jealous of Tina Fey and I don't think she deserves to be there but I do deserve to be there right I don't think that at all okay I realize that Tina Fey works really hard and I I don't work as hard as Tina Fey <laughs> but there are people that work as hard as her maybe and don't get to that point right because yes. there's there's breaks and there's you know you you catch some and you don't like people and I like the people that are super aware of that quality. Too. Mm-hmm. That's a nice thing. So, getting are you jealous of anybody? And that and to me, jealousy is not. Th- th- you're just jealous of them. Mm. I guess I'm jealous of some people's talents. Okay. Like like people that I think are yeah amazing yeah. Um, there's there's people in the improv community that I'm like I'm jealous of of TJ's talent. Right. People I think are. So sm- people who do things that I can't do, mm-hmm. people like Ross Bryant who with with r- improv rapping, right? Um, or or Joey Bland that way, where I think I'm like they are like a step ahead of where I think I could ever be with that. Mm-hmm. Or I get jealous of uh, people in a completely different profession, but also artistic, like a great Broadway singer, right? Or a dancer or something like mm-hmm. that. But you know, if you look at your career, people could be really. Do you think there's people jealous of your career? Because mm-hmm. I look at your career as like Baby Wants Candy, musical improv. You've you've had huge success with sc- solo sketch with your two uh, one person shows. Yeah. Uh, Second City sketch improv. You know, you're on Armando. You've you know you you do the show with Chris. Uh, so I mean, there's. I, People could be jealous of, of, of what you do. That's true. I don't know. I, I don't know if they are. I can't speak for them, uh, and they shouldn't be. I, I mean, they, they can be. That's. I guess that's fine. 
<laughs> so let's, I'm happy with where I'm at. All right, so let's talk about your friends and enemies. It was it's a solo sketch show, uh-huh. uh, and solo sketch is like huge now. It is. Well, showcases are huge now. Okay, so what tell what's the difference? Well, the, I, I I mean for me, I think getting your five minutes ready and getting a solo show ready are so different, mm-hmm. and they're like different skill sets. Now, when you said that, you said uh, showcasing almost like you know almost like. Um, Showcasing is kind of like uh, they're they're cheating. Well, they might be a little bit in a way. I think there's a certain there's an art to getting your five minutes like super tight that is beneficial because there's that sometimes that's the only way casting people can see you. And and today and people are doing five minutes for Saturday Night Live auditions and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then they do the occasional like L.A. Industry Week where all these L.A. people are mm-hmm. in and they want to see who's in Chicago now. Mm-hmm. But and I'm I'm actually going to be this fall teaching a class at the Annoyance mm-hmm. about uh, creating a solo show. So how do you go about creating solo show? Um, well, I think you uh, you have to have like a clear point of view about what you want to say. Mm-hmm. It for me the way I did it with Billy with the two ones I did Billy Bungaroth mm-hmm. um, was that we started writing I started writing ideas down and. After a while, we find kind of like you write a show at Second City in a way, you find the themes in there, and then you can write towards the themes a little bit. So the two solo shows I did both had different, uh, you know, thesis statements for lack of a Okay, word. what was the thesis statement in your friends and enemies? That was the people that you know in your life that you think are nice and normal might actually be like weirdos underneath or creepy people. And the people you think are creeps might actually be really nice people. Okay, so you start with that, and then well, I didn't start with it, but I got there in the process of it. Oh, how did you discover that? I, you know, I started uh, writing some things I thought were funny. Um, we, I'd work them in the room with Billy, just me and him, and I'd improvise in front of him. It's hard because you're just like mincing around in a room in front of one other person, mm-hmm. but that. Uh, certainly helped me figure out what was working, what wasn't, and then we're like, I think we're get, this angle is kind of where we're. So then, okay, so you're doing characters, right? Yeah, Basically, yeah. you're doing mm-hmm. sketch, uh, you're doing characters, but in in a sketch format. Yeah, which except is, I never, I would ne- never do anything that was like. I'm talking to someone over here. And then you jump over here and you become that other person. Switching characters. Yeah, so, I think that's very uncomfortable to watch. Okay. So, I, don't, I don't like watching it, so oh, I don't like it. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so you, you do that, and then you come up with this theme of yeah. the piece. Now, why is that important to come up with a theme when you're doing solo sketch? Why is that important? I, for a couple of things. One, when you're doing a solo show, you really can only be up there for so long before people get bored. What's the, what's the time limit, you think? I think... You cap it around safely, like 40 minutes is enough. 50 minutes if you've got a lot of good stuff and you're doing a lot and you're not talking as yourself and you've got interesting staging of stuff. But otherwise, it's hard to watch one person on stage for a long time. And I think having a theme makes it feel more like a show instead of a bunch of things because you're already at a disadvantage with just being one person up there. You have to pull laughs from just you maybe you have some audio stuff that's fun or lighting but you're really it's you um so the audience the, you tend to wander a little bit more so having a theme or making it seem at least for me wanting to do it was to make it seem more theatrical and more like uh, a a fully realized piece or show than a sketch review mm-hmm. even though it is it's sketches it's 
The it's first a one-man one sketch review, basically. Yeah. yeah, and especially Your Friends and Enemies was a lot more like lights up, lights down mm-hmm. with some transitions. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely a sketch show. Mm-hmm. The second one was not was more uh, wasn't as much, mm-hmm. but yeah. All right, then you've also done a show called One Two Three Fag. Yes. Okay. What kind of shit did you take from people with that title? Um, some we got taken down off Facebook three separate times, <laughs> and we tried to explain what we. It was a, a an improv group. It wasn't. It was for. They thought it was a hate group. Right. But all three times, mm-hmm. and we were each time like still us. Uh, and well, and did you have your? Because I remember your picture was the three of you, mm-hmm. right? Me and Kellen and Seth. And yeah. if you saw the picture, there's no way you would think it was a hate group. No, I think we had flowers in the picture. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Weren't That's your like the, the peace sign. Right, right, right. That's yeah. the official. Like this is not a hate group. You yeah, know? I think so. I think so they took the, the Facebook. Anything else? Um, there was a there were a couple. There was a guy we asked uh, one time. To play piano for us, mm-hmm. and he—it was a gay guy, right—and he was like, "How dare you?" Mm-hmm. And he wrote this really strongly worded email about how wrong we were. Right. So that was from a gay person. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't really hear anything from straight people about it, but they—I loved hearing people ask about the show. Be like, "How's one, two, three show going along? How's it going?" Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, like people being afraid to... <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I felt shame saying the, the yeah. title, you know? And it doesn't make me uncomfortable because I know that's the name of the show. Right. I don't know maybe your intent... Your, it doesn't seem like you have like a vitriolic intent behind it. No. So it was, I wouldn't be worried. Right. Um, what was I going to ask? Do you think there's expectations when you, when you hear a title like that, when you go to that kind of show, like they're expecting something like this is going to be gay improv or something like that? I think there there are, and we made a uh, we kind of said to each other before we did it that never do we want it to be a show that is about we're making any sort of gay statements mm-hmm. or like putting a political agenda. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be three gay guys doing it. Mm-hmm. So we were very clear we wanted to do that, and then, but I think in a way there's no denying that it's going to be uh, have be have gay elements or influences behind it. So. It didn't hurt as a marketing thing to try to get a gay audience in there. And I know that was something they did want to do, is try to get more of a, a gay audience in there. Do you think there's uh, a strong enough gay voice in the improv community? Because when I started, I mean, it's, it's certainly changed and it's gotten stronger, but do you think it needs to be even stronger? I think it's really strong right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Gayco, uh, which now has their own, you know, they branched off. They used to be part of Second City and now they're their own thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think... And you know, in a way, I, it's still the invisible. It's an invisible minority for a lot, mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Um, so it's hard to necessarily make it a strong individual voice. But there's a lot of I see a lot of shows where I'm like, oh, I know that that person's uh, a gay improviser, mm-hmm. and they're adding things to the teams that they're on. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean there have to be a lot like more individual gay groups. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be, uh, but I think it's pretty strong right now. Mm-hmm. It, it it's it should be doing maybe what it is doing, which is adding a little bit, but not uh, needing to maybe call attention to itself too mm-hmm. much sometimes. How did your parents feel about your sexuality? Now, my judgment is your dad, Navy guy, he would have had a hard time with it. Well, actually, not not really. Okay. Um, there was a there was I I came out to them when I was twenty, I think I was a sophomore or a junior in college, and they were both. Okay with it. They they said, 
I sat them down and told them, and they seemed to take it pretty well. I Where remember, did you do it? When, when you I did it. Um, it was over spring break. Okay. Because I knew I'd be home from college for a week, uh-huh. so I would I could do it in the middle of the week, and I wouldn't have done it over the phone. It would be in person, but I could get out of there mm-hmm. in like a couple days too. Right. So, but I did it. I also remember it was on Ash Wednesday. Now, are you are you Catholic? No. Okay. I was raised Methodist. Okay. But I'm an atheist now. Okay. Um, but uh, my dad was is still uh, and. I remember he'd just gone to the Ash Wednesday service, and I did it at night. So, so I was, your dad was Catholic. My dad was Methodist. They still okay, do it. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. He's pretty uh, still straight. All right. Methodist. So he had the ashes on. So his yeah, forehead. I saw this. I'm staring at this ash cross on his forehead <laughs> the whole time that I did it. Yeah. And they were. And what was their response? They were okay with it. My mom cried a little bit because she was worried I'd be ostracized. Mm-hmm. And I was like, No, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And I remember my dad went to the library. And I went. I saw like the next day he got. Uh, he came back with some book that was like, "So now that you know," <laughs> type book. Um, that was kind of a nice gesture. Then I will say, it never came up. It was never talked about for like three or four years. Mm-hmm. Never asked anything. My sister, they would ask her if she's dating anyone. I would never get that question to be. And and I was a little bit hurt by that. Mm-hmm. And then I called them out on it one time. Uh, about again on Ash Wednesday, uh, <laughs> Christmas morning. No. <laughs> uh, no, I just wanted like it was actually around Thanksgiving because I was dating a guy that was a chef, mm-hmm. and I wasn't going home for Thanksgiving, and he was having like an orphan Thanksgiving for people that couldn't go right. home. And my mom asked me what I was doing for Thanksgiving, and I lied and I said, "Oh, friend, I'm going to a friend's who's a chef, and he's going to cook for people." Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Well, you better hold on to that friend." And um, I hung up, and then I was like, "I hate doing this." So I called back and said, you know what, I didn't tell you it was a guy I'm dating because you never ask. And frankly, that makes me feel like you don't want to know. So I didn't tell you. And my mom got really defensive, like, well, we didn't know you wanted us to ask. And my dad actually said, no, you know what, he's right, we don't ask. And we can be better about that. So they are a little bit better. My dad does the same thing every time when he asks, he has like a tell. Now, he'll, he always goes, how's your <clears throat> uh, social life? He does pro clear and then asks about social life. So he doesn't want to go there, or is that just? I don't think. I mean, I don't know. We'll see if I. I've never brought someone home to them. I think that'll be the next test for them. Mm -hmm. But at at this point, I have to be comfortable enough to be like, I don't care either way. If you like, if you are okay, okay with it or not, it's part of this. It's part of me, and I have to be able to be like, I don't care. All right, we're going to improvise now. All right. Okay. Are you all right? Yeah. Are you I feel like that was really like, like a therapy session. Well, thank you. That's 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 <laughs> that. When I intended this podcast, it's uh, you know, uh, yeah. Thank you for the compliment. Was it, was it too? Was it too like heavy? No. Okay. What 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 is your concern? I don't know about? if this is, is a comedy show, right? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't very funny. <laughs> well, don't you think people can re- to, to relate to that? Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. And I, I always, the, the reason I love doing this podcast is I, I love people to share their pain because, you know, where you're at in, in your career or whoever we've had on, the reason, it, it's not, it, we've not all had easy lives. You know, we didn't yeah. pick, I mean, you know, if, if we weren't, if we didn't have hard lives, we'd probably be accountants, you know? Right. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think there's something to why would you want to pretend to be other people or that kind of thing. And, and don't you think that you you can use your pain in your comedy? Yeah, I mean, I am. I love 
the idea, uh, the concept and studying it of loneliness because I feel like I've had a lot of times in my life where I felt very lonely. And I wrote a thing that it's the next project that Billy and I are working on. It's a, it's a, at first it was a movie mm-hmm. and now it's a, it's a web series that we just made a deal with. Um, with? With a company, a ch- channel called Jash. Okay. Which is, uh, Google started a YouTube channel okay. with Michael Sarah, Sarah Silverman, Reggie Watts, and Tim and Eric Okay. called Jash. Mm-hmm. And now they're inviting other people to be a part of it and we're going to be working with them. So you're getting a, a good chunk of money for this? Uh, I don't know the exact money deal uh, yet. Have Billy call me. We'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like this is a, a web series, uh, potentially, like hopefully maybe make it into a pilot or something about loneliness called How to Make Friends as an Adult. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, you talk, you know, you know oh, this is therapy and stuff like that, which again, thank you for the compliment. Uh, but there's, but when we did a pre-interview and you sent some questions, you really like, and, and I think we have this in common. You like Ricky Gervais. You like, uh, did you say Woody Allen? Mm-hmm. You like these people that underneath really, like I love Ricky Gervais because there's sadness there and there's pain there. It, it, and it's on, it might not be on the surface, but underneath, because I, I like that sadness comedy. You must like it too. I do, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I think there's, I, I don't know what, if, what category that falls into, that sad comedy or where it has... I don't know if it's pain. I, I think it is. I mean, I I don't think that I'm like a sad, sad person. I think I'm a happy person. I know I am a terribly sad person. <laughs> Are you really like? Yeah, really sad, really sad, really lonely, and and probably cover it up with a lot of anger. Well, and jealousy. Yeah, <laughs> but there's. Do you ever take steps to like try and not be? Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm in therapy twice a week. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm I go to therapy hard. too. Yeah. Do you? How's it going? Uh, good. I like it. What kind of issues did you work on? Because um, <laughs> you seem very well adjusted. Yeah, I mean, I don't. You're think... adjusted with, with your hand. You're adjusted with your sexuality. Your career. But I think it's I think it's helpful to anybody to work on those things. Mm-hmm. I don't think I went in there with one issue. Mm-hmm. I went in with like, is like this is like mental pampering mm-hmm. for yourself. Like, isn't that a good thing to do for yourself and be able to talk freely and not burden? At first, I was like, I don't want to burden my friends with this. Mm-hmm. And now I, I go, I've gone and I've stopped and I'll go back when I feel like I need to and maybe take, I take big breaks from it. Because I'll tell you, it's made me funnier and easier to be around, you know. And I, there's, so that's I, helping. Yeah, and there's no way I could have gotten in a relationship and gotten married to my wife if it wasn't for that. And the other thing is we are in couples therapy, mm-hmm. uh, though right now our couples therapist is... He's not seeing people because he's sick, and I, I, now I feel some sadness about it and fear. But people will say, "Well, you were in couples therapy," and they'll say, "Oh, oh, oh, oh you, you know, what, what's what's the problem? I thought you had a good marriage or something like that." But I do it as pre- preventative, you know. I think that's yeah, absolutely, and I don't think that sadness is a bad thing. I think too. no, I think it's great. But like, it was like, oh god, I loved that Louis C.K. rant he went on about smartphones that a lot of people saw went viral. But the part when he was talking about sitting in his or driving his car and hearing the Bruce Springsteen song and getting emotional and wanting to text people to make it go away mm-hmm. but instead pulling over and letting him experience that sadness he had for a moment mm-hmm. like we should be feel, uh, you, otherwise you feel that that nothingness right. instead of feeling highs and feeling lows so you sh- if you feel really sad that your body like what did he say about it produces um, endorphins? Know, endorphins to create the happiness then right so you should 
you have to be sad to be happy. It goes. But I think with comedy people, we can shut down all our emotions with humor. I know, and that's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And you get used to it because you you find something that works. And the worst is you st- when you start out in improv, you get rewarded for it. Absolutely. You know. All right, so let's get back to improvising. <laughs> yeah. We went off on a tangent. Yeah, this is, and John, this is we'll go long. about we'll go about ten minutes on this. Okay, all right, because I went long on that. No, that's all right. This is. Are you that self conscious? No, I just I don't know the rules of all this. I guess I, do, I am worried about the rules. You're right. Hmm. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll we'll bring it up in your next session. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, great. So we need a suggestion. Okay, spaghetti sauce. All right, you can bring the house lights back down. Sp- spaghetti sauce. So what is that? When you hear, how do you process um, when you get a suggestion? Um, I think about it for like a half second, and then I go on a gut reaction after that. Okay, what is your gut reaction right now? Uh, that was like a, a restaurant, like back of the house. Okay, great. I need four salads. Four? I need four salads, yeah. Oh. All right. Um, remember when I told you about my wife? Um, yeah. Carol. Going, in, going into labor? Yes. Any moment? Yeah. It's happening. Great. <laughs> so let's, let's get these four salads out. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, yeah. But, uh, Could you do me a favor? Uh, <laughs> the one, they want the, the, the blue cheese on the side. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> if you could cover the blue cheese just for one day. I would be great. I'm, I, I can do it right at, at, at the station. Just get these salads out and make sure we have rolls this time, okay? Because that's like two more favors on top of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, great. So great. I owe, I owe you then. All right. <laughs> My wife's having a baby. Right I, under, now. I understand. Congratulations. We didn't know if we'd have this baby. I know. I know you. I have me. bad. Bad junk. I know. Most I know of the way through. I know. I understand. I know. This was a. This is a miracle baby. I. I. This is what they talk about. Congratulations, Phil. Congratulations. I'm going to be there for it. I, yes, you will. After lunch, okay? After lunch? I have got an A-top coming in, okay? All right? An A-top? An A-top. Oh. Okay? Eight, eight you're never going to work the front of the house, okay? I don't want to work the front of the house, all right? I'm a fucking poet. You, you, I'm not going to be in this restaurant much longer. Well, you said that you've been here six years now. Uh, it takes time to get that one germ of an idea that blossoms into that first poem. Okay. I'll, give I'll give you an idea. Salads, four of them, okay? Uh, you don't have to be a dick about it. I'm not being a dick. How many salads could you have made right now yelling at me? Oh, that's not my job, okay? <laughs> People come to the restaurant because, they, for me, okay? Because of my personality, my food. They don't come because of your personality, Eric. All right? They don't no. go, I'd like to go have lunch. Phil. Just make At Bistro 42 because of Eric's winning charm. <laughs> okay, first of all, the title is Eric Ferrones, okay? That sounds... Bistro 42, okay? <laughs> a lot of people don't call it Bistro 42. A lot of people say, I've no. heard them. They say they're going to Eric's. Now, now, now I'm going to take off. Phil, and no, I'm not going to come back. Phil, no. Phil, Phil. No, this is it. Why should I stick around for this kind of bullshit? Because now you are a father. 
Okay? I hope I'm not a father yet. Okay? Look, you have insurance with me. You have you, 401k. It's not, it's coming. It's coming. And here's the thing. You don't want to go to that hospital without a job. That's not the way you want to start fatherhood. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Make the salad. But, like, the baby could be happening right now. So what? So what? We'll have other babies. Right? I, this is the miracle baby. I understand. You know what I think you're doing? CNN approached us about doing this. I, don't want to, I didn't want to do it. You didn't want to do it? I didn't want to do a CNN special about the baby. <laughs> it was boring to me. Okay, okay. We'll talk about that later. Right now, I've got, I've got, I, they're going to be sitting in that A-top. I've got. Oh, the Red Hat them. Society ladies are really worried about them? Yes. You have enough uh, cream of soup, cream of tomato. <laughs> I'm so frustrated right now. I can't. I'm frustrated. You're frustrated. Look, I run a restaurant. All right, you're gonna have kids. You're gonna have many kids. I have four kids. All right. I don't care. I'm not. You make you. I don't know how you're making me want to care about you in this situation. Why do I care about your kids? Phil. You own four restaurants in town. Your name's on all of them. People know you, and they're not going there for your. Charm. <laughs> You're not in danger of losing any of that anytime soon unless we find, you know, pubic hair in all of them at the same you time. You do not do that again. Do not do that again. All right? I put one. It was one. one. No one even knew what it was. No one knew what it was. Someone complimented me on it on the way out. I know. And now I'm like, that's carnage. Right, right. Like, what? Oh, yeah. that. And then two weeks later, somebody came back and they asked it. They said, could I have pubic hairs in my suit? I can't do that. That's now. a compliment. <laughs> the health department would be all over me when they shut me down. No, all right? Out of my way. Phil, no, Phil, please. Phil, if you leave, you're going to be fired. All right? Well, then that'll start me to make this poem happen. <laughs> that'll be the thing that spurs me on. Maybe I'll write it on the way to the airport. Fine, fine. The airport when I go to... I'll take the last of my money and go to Brazil and write my poem there. Right, right now, you've had, you've had three ideas, Phil. Three ideas for good poems. What? Having a baby. That's not a good poem. <laughs> Pubic hair in the soup. It's a metaphor. <laughs> for? For life. Pubic hair in a soup? Think about how you live your life. I'm a pubic hair in a giant yes, soup. Yes, yes. And you're drowning in there. You can't get to the side of the pubic boat. Pubic hair float. <laughs> it was you're obviously at the top of the soup because... Phil, Phil, I am trying to help you. I have tried to help you since you started here. I'm giving you great ideas for your poem, and you're just rejecting them. Now make the goddamn salad, Phil. <laughs> Uh, it was four, right? Four salads. <laughs> Can I send a text that it's just like, be there soon? Why would you want to do that to your wife? Why would you want to do that? Set up false expectations. <laughs> I will be there soon. But you don't know. I, th this, this it's four salads and I'm out. You said I could do that. I said four salads, but I also said there's an eight top. <laughs> Look, look, Bill. My dad wasn't there when, when, when I was. Okay, I turned out okay. You're an 
asshole. Oh, all right. <laughs> okay, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. You're not. It. You have four kids. You have restaurants. You don't care about becoming a better person. You don't care about it. I know you don't. Okay, you're right. You don't care. You're an asshole. You're being an asshole right now. Look how long you've been sitting here yelling at me. <laughs> I'm not yelling, Bill. I, 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 you I'm raise just, your voice. This, this, you're acting like one of my kids. All right. Oh, I am, fuck you. Look, look, what? Look, don't use that kind of language. Because I'm talking logically to you. No, because you're using profanity. All right. I've had. You know what? I there's. I, I talked to Manuel, and I said, you know what, Phil. Phil would make a good manager if he didn't use profanity. Oh. <laughs> I don't think that's part of it. I don't. I don't want. No, I, I don't want to be a manager. Why? Because I'm not. I don't want to get out of here. That's gonna keep me here longer. Phil, I you know what's keeping Phil, me. Phil, Phil I am trying to help you. All right. Every opportunity, you are sabotaging yourself. CNN, this job, being a manager, writing a poem about pubic hair. You are, I, you are not, today is the best day of your fucking life. Yeah, well. I am Santa Claus. I am coming to give you gifts. And you are, you are, you, you, you're looking at them and you think they're cold, but they are not, Phil. Make the salads, Phil. That's all you gotta do is make the salad. Then what, then what next? And we'll have the ATOP and we'll start with appetizer. <laughs> That's what I don't have to worry about, alright? Look, the average length of a birth is 8 to 12 hours. That can't be right. That's true. <laughs> That's totally true. My second kid, I did a lunch and a dinner. <laughs> By the time I got out, my wife had the kid. I don't want to be like you. I don't want to measure time in terms of meals that you worked at. No. Phil, 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 I'm serious. Back off! Phil, Phil, fuck. Phil, fuck Hey! Phil! I'm doing this for your own good. No matter how many times you say my name, it's not going to stop me from leaving. <laughs> what is it? What, what is it, really? What, what are you doing? I'm texting my wife what I'm about to do. Why don't you just tell me why you're texting? I can't do two things at once. <laughs> I know that about you, Phil. What did you say? I said, I'm on my way. There's an asshole roadblock <laughs> just in front of me. <laughs> now, and soon I will be at your side. Okay, let's. Washing let, your feet. Kissing <laughs> your cheeks. You said that all that in a text. <laughs> and watching the birth of our beautiful baby girl or boy. I'm glad we didn't decide to find out what it was going to be. You got that all in a text. We have a shorthand. Because <laughs> we care about each other. And I've never seen your wife in here once. Okay. <laughs> My wife and I are having problems. I could have guessed that. <laughs> yeah. She thinks that I'm not home enough. I don't listen to her. I mean, fucking duh. <laughs> <laughs> That was great. That was a lot of fun. What did yeah, you think of it? That was a blast, yeah. Okay. Um, I love that you were right in character. Uh, it was very easy. I was just like, I'm going to play the hard-ass manager, which, yep. of course, is right in my wheelhouse. Uh, do you do that a lot? I, I yeah, I like to play those characters because mm -hmm. I, I, I don't play that in life. You know, oh. I'm always low. Well, I'm low status sometimes. Uh, 
I don't know. Uh, ben, Lauren? <laughs> you play low status a lot. I play low status a lot. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was really fun to do. Yeah. Um, do we have a game in there? Hmm. Um, I, and I also will say I don't really think about... Game. At, at least not anymore. Okay. I think I definitely did when I was younger. And that UCB training is all about finding the game and finding the second game in there. And now I think that might be really detrimental to me if I was to try to look in for what it. way to explain it I think looking for the game of you know like you've got to find what's funny we got to find what's fun so fast and then you got to and then you got to heighten it oh and then you got to heighten it again and it better be, be bigger and better stakes the next time around I think that is fine uh, for uh, building blocks of it but now for me the game is uh, the character completely so uh, explain that in terms of the context of our scene. Okay. Um, I think it's like finding out what the character is all about. It really boils down very quickly to a want. Um, and then and having a really clear. I mean, think of it like that. Uh, one of the reasons that helped propel me so much was all I had to do was be like, I, wanna, I don't want to work here. I want to work elsewhere and do this other thing. Be a and, poet. And when did you discover that? Um... I think of when I when I started. I didn't want to start with conflict, but I did. I did put some conflict in there, like, "Oh, make the salads." My wife's having a baby, um, so I'm not sure why. And maybe I said that. I think it was because you came at, you came at me with some urgency of it, and if I I think I felt like the only way that I I must have done something wrong already, my character, or that I like there's a reason he's coming at me as an asshole. I'm gonna not be that. I'm going to be a guy that has something legit serious going on. And what was in my head, and I'm glad I made this a judgment, I came in and I was going to like, oh, I'm going to say that you screwed something up in the kitchen. But I mm -hmm. thought, you know what, I, I, I don't like starting with a negative because I think, I, I just, I don't. Uh, I think you get more mileage when you just go, hey, I need those four sa salads. Yep. Um, and then, then we dis we discovered it together. So I I took the second. I edited my first cho uh, choice in my head and went with the second choice. The other thing that I loved what you did, and and I don't think it's gonna. I hope people get it from the podcast. But you, there was so much pathos in your character and so much emotion. You know, like you were you 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 were changing your wants. You know, based through emotion, which I thought was great. And this thing of like, I'm not going to make the salads. Now, most people would say, oh, go ahead and agree and make the salads. Why did you decide to say, I'm not going to make the salads? And, and that's not a denial. That's more of a game. Right. Well, that's, I, uh, that's probably tricky because it's not a denial. You're right. But it is easier probably to take to do that now, to just make the salads um, and then start a conversation about something different, which is probably what could have happened and could have, should have way, which is a weird way to look at improv, but, you know, if I just made the salads and it was like, so, how was your weekend? But um, I think I, 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 part of it is, like, trusting myself. Like, I'm confident enough now that I know when I go out there, I'm not going to deny someone. I'm going to play with them, and I won't be doing something that's a denial. I'm going to create um, a scenario where something interesting will happen. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily with conflict, but... Certainly there was high-stakes drama involved here 
that uh, came out of it and did come out of a somewhat of a conflict at the beginning. And I would also say, too, um, once that's established, no, I'm not going to make the sale, it's, that becomes the pattern and that becomes its own game and to honor that. And I, I, I also think, too, when you, you saying, no, I'm not going to make the sale, it was really a gift for my character. Would you right. look, look? Yeah, except that, I mean, unless, and I'm glad you didn't feel the way that you just had to repeat the same thing again, but now we're getting into the whys after mm -hmm. that. But that's more interesting to me anyway. So, like, I'm not going to make the salad. If I just said no, that's the denial. Right. It's my wife's having a baby. This is the biggest day of my life. Uh, I, it's not, at least I have a, a reason there. And I'm not going to make the salads because I really don't want to be here. I'd rather be doing something else. That become, became the want. And that want was essentially my game for the rest of it. And to me, also, what I love th that you did is we started to, f we got a sense of who these people were. And the audience got to, they discovered it along with us. And that's right. the kind of improv that I, I love. I think so, because that has a lot more legs. Right. I mean, that, that we could have done that maybe longer even, mm -hmm. and it would have been okay. We could have gotten to the point where I left, or the point where you started to talk more about you're the reason you're acting this mm -hmm. way too. I also knew that I wasn't going to let you leave. Okay, yeah. so you made that decision. Yeah, I was not going to let you leave. Okay. Yeah, and uh, what, however different ways I was going to get you to stay, I was going to get you to stay. Yeah. So sometimes being manipulative in life, you can apply that to your character. <laughs> so we're going to take some questions for John. If okay. we could just turn the lights up, uh, turn the lights up. Great. Yeah, Pete. Uh, yeah, when you got your suggestion, you said I'm just going to think about it for a half second and then go somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, what does this suggestion do for you, or like, how would you like to begin a show? Um, in terms of, from the suggestion? I mean, like, do you, do you like asking for a suggestion, or would you rather just start? Um, I like a suggestion. I actually do. Um, you know, I played with, I, I, I played with TJ once in, in place of, uh, when, for TJ and Dave, and they don't take one. And that is a really interesting way to start, where you, like, look at each other and see how you feel. And he also says the same thing before. He's like, let's just try not to go negative um, and then see where that goes. Um, God, what, what was that like, doing TJ and Dave? Um, it was me and Billy doing it. We did okay. it with him. It was, a, it was phenomenal. It was a great experience because we did one long scene. They, they aren't always like that, but we did get to, we got to another location, but I played the same character throughout, and those two guys did also. Were you scared? I was nervous. Mm-hmm. But I knew TJ also personally, and I, mm -hmm. I wasn't too nervous about that. I was nervous about the expectation of what that show is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, but I like a suggestion because, and I like it to be really loose. I, I, I tend not to be a fan of uh, forms a lot. So like for example, for Summer Nights, um, I always ask for the same suggestion. I would say, what is a word that you like saying out loud that's not dirty? Because I think that a, a word is great, a location is cool, and beyond that, I think they get like really specific, um, you know, like what's the favorite gift you once received? Which then almost a lot of people think you have to do a scene about giving that gift. And that already is like limits you a little bit. So I like open-ended suggestions, but I do like a suggestion. Great, another question right here. Uh, it's, maybe this is an observation, not a question, but it struck me that maybe there's some similarities uh, between coming out to your parents as a gay man and coming out to your parents as an improviser? Or was there any <laughs> sort of similar feelings about that or similar kind of nervousness about it? Um, I mean, they knew I was, they were, that I was doing improv in middle school and stuff. 
and high school. But choosing it as a career, maybe some parents might think, well. Oh, that I made, like, that dropping that bomb on them? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it happened more gradually, I think, because I was doing it on the side, and they knew I'd like go to an audition, or I was working at my day job, and then would be performing at night, and they knew that I loved that. Um, but it, I think for understanding it, certainly, there was no, there was no gradual, like, didn't think like I was, like, just sucking a little dick or something. <laughs> and then, and then like, then I'm gay. Like, oh, okay, well we kind of had that. The, the seed had been planted. It wasn't like that. So it's a little, a little different maybe. But yeah, the understanding of it, be, like I'm gonna do this and you might not understand it. Right, I'm doing something different that parents don't expect. Or, yeah. yeah, I think so. Because they were always like, well, how are you gonna make money? How are you gonna support yourself? And yeah, I think there is a similarity, similarity there, yeah. Great, we question over here? Uh, yeah, so you, you, mentioned, hey, you mentioned talking about minorities and things, and I was wondering, how, how do you like to navigate subjects dealing with like certain minorities without touching on like hardcore stereotyping or isms of any sort? Um, you mean particularly with gay ones or me playing other I guess minorities? From, like with gay ones, but then in a, in a broader sense, uh, you know, beyond uh, white heteronormative. Yeah, da, 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 da. I think um, what I think what it it should be in improv and maybe in all of media is where it's, there's always the presence, but it's not necessarily called out. Like I always wanted to do um, like a super uh, film noir, like 1940s Humphrey Bogart uh, Private Eye that was was gay and do like a movie of that or something because, and where it's not really discussed but it's just the facts of the, the reality of that world. And I, I would love I, to everything to be like that where when there's a gay character in a scene, you can just play the character and then it's just the facts of the scene. I think it's getting more towards that. So I always, um, and with, when you do that, you don't have to worry about making a political statement on, on things like that. Because I never thinking, think about making political statements. I think it, it's maybe as easy cop-out way it is, is to play the character first. Great, over here. Um, when you decide to work on a solo show, how do you motivate yourself and prioritize to actually get it done? You know, like actually put those ideas in place. Um, one was having a deadline. Like I had, um, an opening date. Like me and Billy pitched our, the idea of the show without it being completely written or even mostly written to a couple places and then the annoyance said yes and then they had an opening date. And they said yes without a script too, which is a great thing about uh, the annoyance. And they, they put trust in me with that, which is really nice. And Billy. And I knew I had to be done by a certain date. Honestly, I'm, I think and I'm a pretty hardworking writer, like I write a lot, but I have a really hard time doing it if I don't have a deadline. It's hard for me to just sit down and start. Yeah. And I write, like I make my living, a lot of it as a writer right now and writing comedy. And that's hard to do unless you have a deadline. So having a deadline was super important. And then I think the motivation, the first one I wrote, I, had, I wrote after I had knee surgery and I was laid up in my apartment, so I had all this free time and I didn't want to go crazy, so I was just writing down ideas. But I also write down a lot of ideas 
whenever I have them or the germ of it, and then forcing yourself to expound upon it in a certain, it'd be like, I liked this idea at one point, it came into my head on the train or the dentist's office and I wrote down that. It's not a scene idea, but what are the scene ideas from it? Um, POB, or Mike O'Brien. Um, Who writes for Saturday Night Live. Writes for Saturday Night Live. And he's on it now, I guess. He's right? on it now, yeah. Yeah. Um, talked about this, uh, I remember at one point, he, he helped me out with my first solo show too. Mm -hmm. He came and watched it and gave Billy and I notes. Um, was that if you have an idea for something, it's great to write it down on a piece of paper and put a circle around it and then do um, branches off of it of the possibilities of where that scene could go or what it could be about. It's a really good writing exercise. I, I heard you had said, I think it was on Poor Choices with, um, uh, I, who was the host Mark. of Poor Choices? Oh, Mark. Mark. Oh, Mark. oh yeah. Uh, that you had said that Pat O'Brien actually, when he writes a sketch, then writes five different Ways it could go. Yeah, that's this this kind of thing, like it, where you write, you branch off, like it could go this way, it could go this way. The, yeah, um, we've got to wrap this up, but a couple quick questions. I'd now, rather we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you said you're very serious about your career, and you will never sacrifice the fun. Uh, can you give us an example of how you do this? Um. Well, I think. A big move was, I don't know, wait, sacrificing the fun. Because you had said, uh, I'll uh, give you a little more information on it, sorry about that. You said that people are so into, uh, I'm moving up, you know, I'm moving up at Second City, and mm -hmm. oh, you yeah. got this and I didn't get that. And you said, you know, I'm not, I don't pay attention to that because to me, it's, it, it, I'm not gonna sacrifice the fun I take my career seriously, um, don't get oh, me yeah. wrong, but I'm not going to sacrifice the fun. Yeah. Explain that to that, me so I can yeah. learn. And that's, <laughs> and that's true. Uh, I, I would lie, be lying if I said I wasn't like thinking about you know, what's next, next steps. Like, like you just quit touring company, so I would yeah. imagine you're thinking, I'm going to get a resident company. No, I mean, I, I think if you I... You'd like a resident company. I think that would be great. Yeah. Right. Um, and I'd be lying if I said I didn't want that and have have thought that would be such a cool thing and, uh -huh. and since I was younger too. But I think I would be um, wanting it more or trying to play the political game if I left touring company right when the stage was turning over. Mm -hmm. And I knew it and was like, I'll leave now and then they'll see. But that's a good example of I left touring because I wanted to do other things. And I knew that I'd done it for about two years and it's a blast. It's a it's a fun job. But after a while, I was like, I don't think I want to be doing this right now. Would you say that your barometer is, if I'm not having fun at this, it's time to move on? I think that's a pretty good way of putting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think you have a pretty good gut check of, I don't and 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 being and confident in yourself enough to be like, I don't, I'm 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 old enough and have, can have a grasp over my own time to know that. I don't really need to do this right now, or I don't want to, not need or want, and I would never want to uh, diminish the value of all those things, but maybe it's taking on a, a show or even turning down a gig for just the reason of, I think I need to ha think of quality of life for a, a moment. And you said this too, uh, when I asked you a pre-show question, you said that when people come after a show and they will ask you a question, you will never turn them down. If a student yeah. asks you stuff, and you and you said it's because of how you came up in, into the improv community and stuff like that, what um, 
how have you decided to be so generous with, with your time? What, what, what was it about you coming up in improv? Was it a good experience, a bad experience? What? It was good. I'll give you an example of a bad experience I had that was the turning point for me doing that that I always think to. I won't name names, but I it was at a show. Please. <laughs> I know. Initials? Uh, uh, no. Okay. After uh, the show? Yeah, it was okay. after the show. It was at I.O. No, will you tell me the person after the show? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, and I, I went, I was visiting Chicago. I didn't even live here yet. And I saw this show. I was like, this was such an amazing show. And I went up to one of the people in the show after and was like, hey, I, I just want to let you know, I thought that was so great. And I'm, uh, I'm an improv student and I, I just thought it was a really great show. Congrats. And he just looked at me and goes, you should see me when I'm on and walked away. And I was like, oh my God, because it made me feel like shit, um, first of all. It also made my opinion feel invalidated. So what I thought was wrong. I was not correct to like that show. And I was like, never do that again. I was like, don't ever do that um, to anybody. So now, especially if someone, if you feel bad about a show, you always say, I think you always say like, uh, oh, thank you, you just take the compliment. And then if someone wants to talk about it, I'm always like, I would love to because just in case that person is going to have that moment where that it's a it's a big thing and they saw something they loved and I'm not aware of it and they might not be too but it might be a big point for them of why they like doing this so I never I would never want to like take that away from somebody at that such a crucial point when you're like I'm not as hungry for improv anymore as I was when I was that age like it's hard for me to like stay super excited about it all the time but I know those guys are and I don't want to take that part away because that only lasts for a little while. Well, we want to thank you, John, for being our guest. Yeah. Thank you so much. And John, we can, where can we see you perform? Um, you can see me with uh, Baby Wants Candy at the Apollo Theater um, on Fridays when I'm uh, here for that. Uh, the Armando Diaz uh, on Monday nights. Um, I also uh, Summer nights at I.O. at 10.30s. At 10.30 uh, downstairs, and um, occasionally with the Improvised Shakespeare Company, and uh, occasionally over at Second City still um, with the Improv All-Stars. Oh my God, now I'm jealous. Uh, <laughs> oh no. I, my I, prediction, I, I, you want my prediction? Yeah. You're gonna get a resident company at Second City. Uh, the beginning of the year. The beginning of 2014. January. But I think you'll hear it. Uh, I'll do a little psychic reading at the end of each podcast. You'll hear it around Christmas time. Okay. Yeah. Woo. All right, we'll see. Okay, if it comes true, if it comes true, will you tell me who the person uh, in that story is? Yes. Okay, great. Thanks again, John Hardman. And there you have it, another episode of Improv Nerd is in the Can. Of course, we don't number them around here because someone's not good with numbers. Uh, that is the John Hartman episode that's in the can. And I want to thank our guest, John Hartman, not only for his honesty. I love playing with John as an improviser. And he, he's really a great actor. And I love it when people bring acting to their improv because uh, it's something that I really want to do more of. I also want to thank Abaria, Maria Wojciechowski and Abby uh, Vaderat uh, for being our opening guest and showing Jimmy, this old, this old dog, some new tricks. Um, as always, I want to thank our home base here, our theater that we love so much. That's Stage 773 in Chicago. And get ready, because in January, it's going to be the home of Chicago Sketch Fest. 
Uh, also, I want to thank my producer, Ben Caprero. He's the guy who makes it sound so professional and so slick. You probably have figured this out by yourself because you're pretty smart people, that we're on feralaudio.com. And we're not alone there. It's a podcast collective with people like Todd Berry, Chelsea Peretti, Brain Warp, The Baby Eater, uh, people like that. So check that out. Uh, and if you really like what we do here at Improv Nerd, go to feralaudio.com and hit the donate button. And send us a couple dollars our way because we really could appreciate it because it's cold in Chicago and the heating bills really go up high. Uh, also, if you want more information about me, Jimmy Corain, and my uh, blog, my Improv Nerd blog, which will make you, will help you, I can't promise you anything, will help you to become a better improviser, go to jimmycorain.com. And if you want me to come to your city or town to teach my award-winning workshops, The Art of Slow Comedy, and bring an improv nerd there as well, contact me at jimcorain.com. And please, 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 this is the part of the show that I beg, go to Improv Nerd on Facebook and like our fan page. It really helps with my low self-esteem. And as always, I want to thank you guys for sending such great uh, emails about uh, what we do here on Improv Nerd. And thanks for listening. And remember, walk. Let's say uh, Seinfeld was on an island yeah. and he was blowing Boris Karloff. What would it, what would that be like? <laughs> it might go something like this. Oh, Mr. Karloff, I loved you and Frankenstein, and I love giving you a blowjob. Why, Mr. Seinfeld, I'd love having you fuck.